Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Bradford Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hits Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. We're back for the weekend edition of the Bradford Show, the edition where Pitcher Nick comes in and joins me for the a weekly appearance on the podcast, the Bradford Show. We had a good week. Had Mike Lowell talking about Alex Cora. We had... The editor and writer of the Houston Astros uh, story, they are going to win the World Series in 2017, written and put on the cover in 2014. Check both of those out. I was very, I took great amount of pride in both of those efforts. <laughs> uh, but today uh, we're going to talk about a few different things. As I said, Nick Fryer, pitcher Nick's in here right now. John Tomasi is also on the line. We're going to talk about is baseball fun? I know it's, it sounds like a stupid topic, but it's actually not. We're going to talk to <laughs> NWOA, Newton Wellesley Orthopedic Associates. Physician, doctor, Dr. Laurie Katz, about Dustin Bedroya's injury. Um, but first, John, I wanted to discuss something that I just got off a conference call with Josh Beckett talking about Alice Cora. He was very, he's actually very good. He was surprisingly good, honestly. And uh, one of the things he said was he, he got a chance to meet up with John Daly and do this. Yeah, I got to, I got to meet John Daly. I actually hung out and had a beer with him, which has always been a dream of mine. So the question I have is, if I'll ask both of you guys, if you had the chance to have a beer, have a a mug of O'Doul's, have a a snifter of Zima, a uh, anything along those lines with anybody, who would it be? Who would be the person that you would sit down and have an adult beverage with? John, you first. Oh, okay, this is a tough one. So it can be anyone alive or dead. Yeah. I'm going to change the rules a little bit. I'm going with the trio. We're going Liz Warren, Colin Kaepernick, Malcolm X, <laughs> oh my God. just to piss off Callahan. Three, you're pissing me off with that too, John. Three people? 
And you're gonna. That's gonna take. Why not Malcolm X just alone? Well, that's the you, most interesting you, one. Well, you also. I mean, it's you don't have to talk. You, I guess you would not to be doing any talking, right, John? Oh, I mean, he definitely. Would I be would doing. be. You know what? I would do it just for the selfie, just for Jerry <laughs> oh Callahan's Twitter account. That's fair. Jeez. That's fair. I like. I like the outside the box thinking. The well, self. The selfie motivation. Yes. Good just job. saying, Kaepernick probably wouldn't be talking either. He'd be just. a Stone sitting there. Why? A lump. Cause Why? He's, cause he's what are you guys no, against Colin Kaepernick? Do you no hate him? Are you racist? Uh, what's going on? Oh, my God. What's, what's happening? <laughs> Trying to pin me do, on the corner? Do you hate, I, I expect do you hate this the, from John, not from you. Do you hate the police? Do I hate the police? No, I love the police. That, what, I don't understand. What's going on? Don't you, don't you love Can the Can I country? answer the oh, question? Oh, Richard Nick hates the police. We get it. Yeah, I have a problem with Kaepernick, but I hate the police, of course, as well. That makes sense. All right, anyway. Anyways, we'll... I would pick Sir Ian McKellen, which I learned from John that I was saying his name wrong before, in fairness, um, because he played two of my favorite characters um, in movies, uh, Gandalf and Lord of the Rings. In Magneto and the X Men, and I just think he's—you know—I could listen to that guy talk all day. People talk about Morgan Freeman, great voice, seems like a brilliant individual. And he and I would not have a beer because I'm not a beer guy. Mm. We would sit down and have scotch. Together. Oh, scotch! Yes. And would you hold the glass with the hand underneath the? Oh, glass? I always do. That. Yeah. That's the only way you drink scotch. Oh, of Rob. course. Is that a weird thing, John? Like this new wave of sports writers. <laughs> They all drink like hard liquor. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, that is the true. Carbs. That is that is a millennial thing. I don't get that. Is don't, that don't, 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 don't just say it's a is millennial it, thing. Is it, is, it, just, is, it, is it the carbs? Is it seriously? That's why like I Like you it. and Drellick and Britain and all these don't guys? Don't pair me in with Evan. You did this last time. Don't pair me well, in with okay, Evan. Okay, but that's the fact. It's So is that what you guys, is that the motivation? What does he have? He has whiskey, right? I, I'm, first of all, I'm- I'm, I'm asking you, is that the motivation <laughs> for- For me- that's what the motivation is. I don't know that's necessarily the motivation for everybody else. I can't speak to them. I don't right. have these conversations. But yes, for me, I'm a little more health conscious. Oh, oh obviously. We, as we learned last week, there's you're no, a personal there's no, there's no place for you at WE. No. Oh, no thanks. No. Appreciate it. Uh, okay, so mine would be Gob Buckeye. <laughs> or just. <laughs> What? I don't even know what or who that is. Okay, good. I thought it's it was Drew, a... Drew, Drew Pomerantz's great granddad, the the guy who oh pitched God. in the major leagues, and he also was a a offensive lineman for the St. Louis Cardinals, and he has some, and he hung out with Tris Speaker and Ty Cobb and. And, and okay, I just got to stop you right there. I've interviewed Drew Pomerantz, and if that's any indication, <laughs> if that is genetic, nope. if that were passed down from somebody. I would not put Gob very high on my list. Nope, Gob. I'm going with Gob. I don't care. I, I don't. I, I. I'm not biased. I think that you know, like my brother or my my cousin or my grandfather. He might not have the same personality. Having seen photos of Gob, having heard stories about Gob, having known the backstory with Gob. And Jesus. knowing that I can keep saying "gob," yeah, that, was, yeah, that sounds like arrested development. Yeah, so so my uh, my guy, oh, God, gob. Oh my gob. Yeah, there you go. Jesus. Um. So anyway, that's a good, terrible. That's a, good, that's a good way to uh, kick things off. So terrible picture, John. Um. Since Nick is twelve years old. Oh, thanks. How old are you, Nick? I'm twenty six. I, I did turned... look. Do you, do you know Nick has a baseball reference page, John? Yeah. Of course, he played in college. Yeah, I, well, I just looked it up. And has anyone put the nickname? Picture no, the nickname? I, well, I haven't looked since like two days after you posted that. I'm hoping to God no one does. And I've right. talked to people about it. They both said they all said fried dog sucked and that picture. Oh, Nick fried. He's like I so saw. I, I wanted to give him a nickname, so I did picture Nick. You know, like manager John. And yeah, it took me a while to get. That's why you wanted to do and, it. I'm so dense. And he's like, "Oh, you have a nickname Fry Dog. Fry Dog. Oh my God, no, no." Most yeah, people that, have... I feel like that was probably taken by Jeff Fry. Yeah, yes, exactly. Oh, jeez, oh, you put you put me with Jeff Fry, and then Rob put me with Drillick. Yeah. I don't know which one's worth. Yeah. Jeez. Jeff Fry was a good player. 
Oh yeah, great player. He also he and, he and Mike he Lansing, also awesome. was I think I believe the only member of the Red Sox to call up to to uh, Ted Sarandis complaining about his negativity. Right? Remember I that? Don't remember that? But oh I yeah. It. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Jeff Fry, now an agent. Um, really? So uh, now now the here and the now, and we, Nick, we have some good perspective because you have a very old person, myself, mm. a person who is somewhere in the middle, and John. And uh, and we have the young young group uh, from Nick Fryer, pitcher Nick, talking about baseball. Is baseball entertaining? This is the same conversation we had this time last year, and really it was it was born around the NFL's ratings are down, and and are, is is baseball actually going to surpass the NFL, which we know isn't really going to happen. But we we keep getting obsessed with these ratings, and and with baseball, and with the demographic. To me, I'll just start out by saying a lot of this stuff isn't going to change. You can you can crack off nine minutes of a game and great, good for you. It, it's it's not going to make that much of a difference. But is is the perception of baseball going to change? What was the average age? Like fifty seven years old baseball viewer? Can they put a dent into this anytime soon, John? And and I would ask this from John. John and I have covered baseball a little bit longer than you, Nick. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, do you think do you think that that what they're doing is 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 it's going to be the same as it was ten years ago, as it was five years ago, as it will be five years from now and ten years from now. What's your perception of it? Yeah, I mean, I think baseball's biggest problem, obviously, pitch clock. I think we can agree needs to happen, and some things to speed up the pace of the game need to happen. But the bigger issue for me is you mentioned five years ago, ten years ago. If you go back to baseball, sort of late '90s renaissance with the home run chase, you had huge personalities. You had McGuire, you had Sosa. Obviously, those guys ended up being, you know, shamed and taken down and whatever. But (laughs) for that time, you had them. Then after that, you had Pedro, you had Ortiz, you had Jeter, you had A-Rod. So you had big marketable stars. And more than anything else to me, I look at a league like the NBA, which is really taking off, it seems like. And that is the sport of choice for young people. Their average viewer is 15 years younger than the average baseball viewer. And you have LeBron, you have Steph Curry, you have Durant, you have Westbrook. You have a lot of guys, recognizable stars that the league markets. I think where baseball has failed and where it needs to go if it wants to start bringing in some new fans is it needs to highlight these personalities, whether it's Bryce Harper or some of the, you know, Machado, some of these other guys. But, that's, but here's, uh, let me stop you right there because that, that's part of the problem. Your best player in the game is Mike Trout, right? Mm-hmm. Not a yep. marketable guy, not a boring guy. Uh, on the West Coast, not a marketable guy. Bryce Harper, we see him on all these T-Mobile commercials. Fine, maybe he's marketable. Definitely. But, yeah, but, okay, but still, it's, is he as marketable to John's point than some, like, the the random NBA player? Joel Embiid is seemingly more in the in the consciousness of a 30-year-old than a Bryce Harper is, which is insane. I think it's just the way – my big thing is I've looked at it over the past few years and seen – a lot of the coverage in general, we talk about you know commercials and the, the league pushing guys um, in their personalities. But when we talk about the coverage, you look at guys who talk about basketball, they don't talk about in-depth, hyper-analytical numbers. And when we look at baseball, that's all, a lot of what it is now. I'm not saying— You think that people just don't—like the younger people just don't want to get into it's the It's like math class. Sometimes like when I read stuff, it's like math class. And that's I'm not saying there's not room for that. Um, and I'm and look when I read you two, I don't necessarily see that. When I see Alex Spear, 
I see that. But, you know, he's he's done very well. And I think there's room for that. But at the same time, there is too much of just explaining the way things are is being numbers. It's great for the front office. But, you know, for, for me as a as a 26-year-old, if I'm just looking at a guy and all I see is numbers and that's it, then it's uh, why do I care? I mean, I got into this field because I don't want to be around numbers all the time. Well, I see. And, and John, you can weigh in on this, but that's how baseball all baseball has always been. It's been about numbers. The problem is, I think it's less about how baseball has changed and more about how people's attention spans have changed. Like you said, Nick, I, I when we were growing up, we could say we. I don't know about you, John, but I, you know we love the numbers. We would race to the box scores. We would. We, we would look at all that, and there is an element of that, but I think there is a vast majority of the like the fringe baseball people who maybe don't want to pay they don't want to pay attention to anything these that long. These numbers are different, though, Rob. Not not to cut John off, but these are, these numbers are different than what you dealt with as a kid. Those are simple numbers that anybody could figure out. You know, looking at batting average. I mean, I could figure that out. It, it, you know, even on base percentage is somewhat of a simple number. But then you got OPS, OPS plus, and I understand they're not like overly complex numbers, but you yeah, but have when, so many but different but, dynamics. But here is when, just when, numbers when people are sitting people. down to watch a baseball game and deciding they're going to sit down and watch a baseball game, I don't think they're thinking, "Oh my good, I, I gotta, I gotta deal with OPS plus today." No, but when you go and watch, you know, I know baseball tonight is kind of dying, but when you go and watch baseball tonight and all they talk about is this guy's hitting this against lefties and, and that against righties and, and in these situations at night when the temperature is 71 degrees, you know, I don't want to hear about that the whole time. I want to hear about how, you know, Yashel Puig for some reason feels the need to bat flip on doubles and singles but not bat flip on a home run. He well, just where, gently uh, places it down. That's where Jess Mendoza comes in. Uh, well, just, actually, I actually think Nick's making a good point here. So, the big See? revolution in baseball in the last year has been stat cast, exit velocity and this and that. It's like launch angle. Mm. I don't necessarily care that Giancarlo Stanton hit the ball 111 miles an hour at a 29-degree angle off the bat. Like, tell me 480 feet. I yep. care about that. Yep. That's all I care about. And so baseball is losing itself a little bit in all these new numbers and at the expense of the personalities. And like Nick's saying, you care about the bat flips. Well, that's the stuff that is being there. Less attention is being paid to that, mm-hmm. and at, it is, so it's at the expense of the personalities. And the personalities are what drives interest, I think. Yeah, you and know, baseball it, doesn't have any. It's right. a good. Po- you, know, you bring up Statcast. That's a good one, and I hadn't really thought about it. But my initial reaction is this is this is not necessarily a good thing for bringing people younger people in, and that might go against the grain for the public opinion. But the fact is, is that I think that that writers and broadcasters see this shiny new toy yep. in StatCast and, oh, that was uh, 100 miles an hour, you know, and <laughs> that was the launch angle on that was this. And, yeah, that's semi-interesting, but it's not entertaining. Mm-hmm. And that's what we come back to. Is it entertaining? And, and, and it's funny because I think that baseball is pushing StatCast more yeah. and more and more. And it's very fleeting. Like, you can't, like a, per, a, a person, you get invested in that. You know, look, like the, the, if you started a rivalry between, I don't know, uh, you know, Hunter Strickland and Bryce Harper have had issues. We know Madison Bumgarner is kind of like a lawman, uh, you know, talking about police before. Him versus Harper. Flash versus, you know, again, the lawman. You, you hype that up when these guys play each other. That's a little different. And if they go and have a beef, you know, how about Bumgarner and Puig? They've gotten into it multiple times before. Things like that. That's the kind of stuff that I care about more because then people are going to be picking a side. And I, I, personally, I'm more on the lawman side, but I appreciate what the bat flip guys do now too because that creates controversy. Well, in the Puig, game. well, tell me, and John, you weigh in on this, but tell me that 
Puig when he dives for the ball last night and then throws his <laughs> glove to the ground like Julian Benbow did in the media game that 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 this wasn't something like oh good emotion and emotion personality right. I laughed out loud when I saw that yes. I, I thought that was tremendous and baseball needs more of that and instead we t- we debate you know uh, Jose Batista's bat flip as if it's the end of civilization. And meanwhile, you have the NFL recognizing belatedly that, oh, we probably should let our players celebrate in the end zone. So there are things that baseball is doing that feel old and backwards and like they're appealing to a generation that's going to be dead soon. Yeah, and, and, and also, you can't tell me, they, they have done more to try to impact what we're talking about this year than they ever have, even going down to the cleats. They've loosened the regulation on the cleats. They've, they've, um, they've tried to do they're, – they're trying to, and they have tried to do different things. But still, it, it seems like a day late, a dollar short. The, the time of game thing, it, you're right. The pitcher, the pitcher clock is important. That is important. But it is more important about the personalities. And, and an example of the personalities, a microcosm of this problem they have may be the Red Sox. The Red Sox have these, oh, these core God. group of 25-year-olds, and, and Mookie said it in the, on this podcast. He's like, yeah, maybe when I'm a little bit better, I'll show off or, or proving myself to be a legitimate every single year guy. I'll show off my personality more. Yeah. But I don't know if he will. They have the personality collectively of a thumbtack. It's unbelievable. And, John, what you were talking about before with the, you know, having the guys who uh, I was saying, like the lawmen and Major League Baseball kind of backing that, I think Major League Baseball needs to stand on the bat flip, the flash guy's side. But at the same time, I don't want to get rid of the guys who have that mentality like Bumgarner because that's where the controversy comes up. I mean, and look, if you had to pick one or the other, I'd rather have guys that have flash in the game than, than not because that's where we're seeing the problem now. But don't you think there's room for both of them? Yeah, you know what I would like to see? I would like to see Puig flips his bat and Bumgarner drills him, and then yes. there's a brawl. I mean, I want to see all of that. I don't think they should be legislating any of that out of the game. It's part of what makes the game great to me. And when, even last night, so Correa hits the homer and flips the bat, and the the first thing they say is, like, he threw the bat 30 feet. I'm like, was it really 30 feet? He, like, <laughs> flicked it with his wrist, but they were making the biggest deal. You thought the Batista bat flip was bad. This one was 30 feet. It's like, first of all, Batista whipped his bat on a – it wasn't even a flip. It was like it would have killed somebody. This, and so we're focusing on the wrong things. As a sport, they are focused. But on it their proves offense. further, John, that that's what people want to look at. I, one thing I noticed when Bellinger in the late innings almost hit a home run, warning track to, to Reddick, uh, he carried the bat with him the whole way, and he rounded first base, and he still had the bat in his hand. Like those are the kind of things you pay attention to. I, I don't have a problem. Look, if John Smoltz or, or Joe Buck wants to complain about it, let him complain about it. But Major League Baseball needs to stand strong in saying we don't give a damn. They can do whatever the hell they want when it comes to that, as long as they're not throwing the bat at somebody. And yeah, or or Puig laying the bat on the ground when he hit his. So gentle. I loved it. Yes, he knows how to treat a bat well, properly. You know, and, and we're getting wrapped up in the everyone's saying, oh, baseball's back, and, and because we're seeing these great World Series games, you know, there's a couple different things. Number one, during the regular season, these are boring games, and part of the reason that the boring games is something else baseball did, the instant replay. Instant replay was longer <laughs> this year. It was terrible. Uh, what it also has done is taken the arguments out of baseball. Which, yes. When John Farrell came out, you guys remember that game John Farrell came out, had this vicious, vicious argument, like crazy argument. 
And that was by far the most entertaining thing. That thing is is come and gone. And 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 so they've erred on the side of of the instant replay. Another thing that happened this year, which I think baseball will never admit, is they juiced the balls. I mean, there's, there's it just does not go from here to there like it did with home runs without the ball being like it is. You don't like juice balls? No, I mean, I, I if this is the what they're playing with, then fine. Yep. That that is Keep what them. it is. That is what it is. And what's bizarre to me is the minor league balls are completely different, and they're dead balls, and then they come up here and they're flying all over the place, but. This you saw the game in Game Two of the World Series. Why did, was that game one of the best games that we've seen all year? One of the best World Series games we've seen in a while. It's because they were hitting home runs all over the place. Yes, it was a pitcher's duel, so it was kind of quick, and then later on, it kind of deteriorated into basically a home run derby. And that's exactly what we want. And look, dealing with juice balls from a pitcher's side, I'll tell you, what, I, I I dealt with that one year. You were a pitcher. I, Yes, I would. You, you call me Pitcher and, Nick. And a personal trainer? That was a different time, and I prefer strength wow. coach. Personal oh, trainer strength kinda, coach. Personal trainer kind of. John, do you know he's a strength position. coach? I was. I didn't, but I do now. He can yes. bench press more than Muddy said, too. Yes, it's the truth. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, when the, the time that I dealt with the juice balls, I mean, we saw numbers in the league go up across the board. I mean, teams setting home run records like Major League Baseball kind of did this year. And for me, it was infuriating as a pitcher. And they admitted to it afterwards that the balls were juiced. But honestly, at, from a fan perspective, from someone who has to watch the game you know, almost every single day, I don't give a damn. I hear people complaining about it. Why the hell does it matter? We need long balls. That's when baseball was at its best you know, in, in my lifetime was when McGuire and Sosa were competing for it. Now, guy, you know what, uh, getting hit by a comeback or your health set risk there, okay, maybe fine. But other than that— It's entertaining. Carried out in a stretcher, but but you're not on steroids where these guys are having to cheat and put themselves above everybody else. Not saying people aren't taking those steps, but it's different. It's not as dangerous. So, so John, you like the home runs? Uh, My problem is the like you know the whole three true outcome thing of homer walk strikeout. That's kind of what the game has become, and it's rough when you have homers and strikeouts at an all-time high because now you're basically becoming an all-or-nothing game. And, yeah, I love watching home runs as much as the next guy, but the difference between now and the rabbit ball era of the 90s and early 2000s, the steroid era, I should say, is you had rallies then. You had, you know, you had good hitters. Now it really is just you either hit the ball out of the park or you strike out, and there's nothing in between. And I think that has made the game more predictable and a little less interesting. Well, you know, now that said, last night was great, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the exception for me. But you know what's weird is the um, is so the, the the training of these guys, and and this is where it comes back to: can this be fixed? If these guys were or or trained or brought up a different way, or more entertaining, maybe it'll be different. They're trained to be boring, I think. Baseball players are trained to be boring. And they're also, to what you're talking about, John, they're trained to be all or nothing. They're trained to say power, 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 power. You've got to throw hard. You've got to hit long home runs. That's how you make your way in this game. That's how you're going to get noticed. In other words, it's not only the batters, it's the pitchers. We've never seen pitchers, more pitchers, throw 96 miles an hour or mm-hmm. better. And so it's it's how this whole like environment is being um, – laid out there for all baseball players. In- yeah, do you know what I liken it to a little bit? It's a little bit like men's tennis where it's just ace, 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 and there's no rallies, and every once in a while you'd like to see a rally. 
That's kind of how I feel about baseball right now. It's a, it's a lot of aces. Yeah, but isn't that kind of how it is? Like, you guys want it that way because that's what you grew up with. I, I Look, I want it that way too, but I think the average person doesn't want to deal with the, the you know, having to build up and then it turns into nothing. They just want the, the instant home run, and then they have the personalities getting shown off for a second, and that's where they fall in love with the guys. The rallies, they, they don't do as much for people, I don't think, for the average fan. I think you can. I mean, the game, these World Series games. If a guy gets on second and you have the big hit from, yeah, uh, uh, Hernandez, then great. You know, that's that's an exciting play. The throw mm-hmm. home. That's throw home is one of the most exciting plays in baseball. It's fine. You can have all that. That's going to get talked. But think about it, Rob. You talked about all the home runs from that night. Hernandez is just coming up now. I honestly kind of forgot about Hernandez. Well, it's because they hit seven home runs and five in extra innings. Right, home runs. Exactly. Right, but this is it's a microcosm of this entire year. I mean, this is that's what I'm saying. This baseball, how did baseball approach this? How is baseball approaching this? And I would just stop real quick, yeah. Nick, to be like, well, what about Dave Roberts? I mean, that's the play that we recall the most from still get ending the curve. You yeah. know, so I mean, it's that's a stolen base followed by a single up the middle. Yes, and but that was also a different time, and it doesn't. I mean, and I understand a lot of fans still value that, but it doesn't. I'm talking about the general. You know, population, John, and I understand in Boston, it's it's what? How much did it go down this year? I don't know. It went down. Some, it went it went up on the radio. It went up on the radio. As far as you know, there you go. That's, that's all. That's all TV that I care. down eight percent. Radio up eighty five percent. Those numbers are accurate. Yeah, there you go. That's all that matters. You know, but it, it does come back to and and we mentioned the radio and TV. This is part of the equation, and it has to be done differently. It has to be more entertaining. We yeah. can't. We can't do. The, the, the way that it was always done, and we can't fall in love with the things that we talked about with the stat cast. This is part of the equation. This is if you want to if you want to get people involved, you have to make it entertaining. You it has to be more conversational. And I know that those people are saying, "I'm not going to make this like a talk show." Well, we're not saying like make it like the morning show, mm. but it has to be more conversational. And you can't just say, "Oh well, I have all this information, and now I'm going to give it to you," because that is where it does become very, very boring. They're honest. I'm going to be honest with you, Rob. There are times where I'm watching the game and I have my headphones on, and I'm listening to the morning show when I'm watching the game. I'm still focused on what's going on, but I, I I wouldn't mind if they translated it into that a little bit more. Honestly, it just it feels like that's how people but are it's, talking. It's, it's yeah, it, it. I understand. It, it needs understand. to be more conversational. It doesn't need to be like a well, and not the insanity necessarily that they bring, but you know, it, it, no, it's a baseball game. It's not a morning show. Right. And what it has to be is is just a. And John and I have talked about this a ton. It has to be a conversation. Like, we go on the fifth inning. That should be a com- opportunity for a conversation about what is going on that day. Absolutely. And a lot of that is drama. I mean, yeah. this is what – this is the straw that stirs a drink, the drama. Yes, right? absolutely, 100%. And you know what, another thing, too, we talked about um, – was it strikeouts, walks, and home runs? Those are really the only important outcomes. Walks are another big problem in the game, too, and that goes back to the— Well, this is the all-or-nothing thing. Exactly. I mean, this is the—if I got. I, if I'm not going to I'm not gonna throw the ball down the middle of the plate mm-hmm. or anywhere near the plate, I'm going to go in the corners because I want the strikeout mm-hmm. or it's going to be a walk. So anyway, Joe, I, I know you got to get going. It, so is there anything—what baseball is doing, I agree with the pitch clock. That has to happen. Absolutely has to happen. I don't know if it's going to draw in the uh, younger demographic, but for my own sake, that has to happen. That's all I care about. Is there anything else that you think has to happen for next year for baseball to kind of take this next step? Yeah, I mean, you brought up something that I was going to say, which is enough replay. I I would ban replay in all sports, maybe keep it in the NFL, but otherwise, no replay. Replay kills the pace of the game as much as anything. 
and it's only for, you know, marginal outcomes for the most part. You know, was a guy safer out at first? Well, let's just leave it to the umpires. They'll get it right most of the time. The argument that well, it's about getting it right, then replace them for balls and strikes, too. I mean, what's, what's the difference? So I would get rid of replay, and I would hype up the personalities. If I'm the Red Sox, I am encouraging. I am not encouraging. I am demanding that Benintendi and Mookie and some of these guys Start showing their personality more so people well, look, can identify with them as people and not just players. Well, look at Houston. I mean, look at Houston. And a lot of that is because the mentality of, I think, the um, the, the Latin American players. You, you see how you know how much fun they're having. They're out, out in front of the dugout and going nuts. And, and I agree with you, John. I mean, I think Alex Cora's first order of business is to go into that clubhouse and say, it's okay to be you. Mm. I've played in Boston, and that's what he can do, right? Mm. I mean, I played in Boston. I know how this works, and it will not hurt you to show your personality, right? Correct? Unless you're David Price. Unless you're David Price. Well, yeah. In which case, you need to shut the F up because <laughs> nothing you say is helping anybody. All right. Uh, John, thanks. Thanks for jumping on. See you, John. All right. You got it. I'm going to be uh, – Pouring a beer for Malcolm X and Well, I look forward to that. Uh, when uh, when Trunny's nephews are in town next, <laughs> the fill-ins will be Malcolm X, Colin Kaepernick, and Liz Warren. That'll be a good and, show. And Pitcher Nick. And Pitcher Nick. There we go. All right, see you. Well, another another week, another significant injury to a Boston sports uh, figure. Last week, we talked to Dr. Laurie Katz, Katz of Newton Wellesley Orthopedic Associates about both Gordon Hayward and Eduardo Rodriguez. And this week, it, the news came down. Dustin Bedroya had surgery, cartilage replacement surgery, uh, and the same sort of surgery that his teammate Stephen Wright had back in May. And I, I talked to Stephen Wright just the other day about how he's recovering. I'll get to that a little bit later. But, Dr. Katz, first of all, thank you. You were uh, rave reviews for you last week, so thanks for coming back and, and continuing the, the ratings uh, boon that we have every time you're on. <laughs> Great. Thanks for having me. Um, so what do we got here? What's what's going on? And I will say this, is that I knew a little bit coming into this about what he was, Dustin Bedoya was dealing with. Uh, it sounded really, really bad. You, you keep hearing bone on bone, how they were sp- trying to manage it. Um, I think I had referenced maybe last week that I think they tried to manage it at one point by doing some stem cell stuff. That seems like a quick fix. Um, this was inevitable. And now what they're saying is seven months before he gets back to playing baseball again. What what are we dealing with when it comes to this uh, this surgery? Well, it, it depends on uh, what his actual problem was. In other words, how big was the area that he's missing cartilage from? Uh, where was he missing the cartilage from in the knee? So those factors will actually determine what procedure is done in order to try to restore that cartilage. Because there's actually a few ways that we can do it. Uh, you mentioned Stephen Wright, and from what I understand, he actually had a transfer of allograft uh, cartilage and bone into his knee. Uh, but that's not always necessary. Uh, sometimes you can take cartilage from someone's own knee and just move it from an area where you don't need it as you know don't really need it as much to one where you're missing the cartilage. Uh, other times you can actually remove cartilage at one surgery from a place you don't need it, grow it in a lab, and then actually transplant it back in at a second surgery. Uh, and then there's even another procedure where you can just go in and poke holes in the bone where you're missing the cartilage cushioning, and the hope is that your body creates or, or generates a new type of cartilage that's similar to the one that you've lost. Now, Doc, when it comes to the cartilage, I mean, and, I mean, and it being absent, the friction 
How much can like I hear this and it just makes me cringe every time we talk about it. And I mean, when it comes to the the grinding of the bones, I mean, how bad can it get? And how long like when people find out that that's the issue, you know, how how bad does it, can it get at one point before somebody realizes that they're missing the cartilage there? Well, it's interesting because sometimes you have patients who really don't have much cartilage loss at all. So it's just um, almost soft end. We call that chondromalacia. And that's when people will kind of hear that crunching in their knee when they straighten it and bend it. Mm. So you can actually get that kind of grinding sensation even with like only a mild loss of cartilage. When you start to get the severe or what we call the full thickness loss of cartilage, meaning areas where there's absolutely no cartilage left uh, and you're bone on bone, that's pretty uh, far down the line. That's pretty advanced, uh, and that's what we would call arthritis. So, Doc, just asking for a friend here, if you can crack <laughs> your knee pretty much whenever you want to, is it, should I be concerned? That my friend be concerned? <laughs> So um, sometimes cracking or popping is, is normal. Um, sometimes we don't even know what's causing it. It could be a tendon popping over something. And uh, as long as it's not painful, I don't worry about it. So lots of patients' knees will uh, pop or crack. I'll even let patients kind of put their hand on my knee while I make it do it if they're a little nervous about it because it is common. It's when it hurts when it pops or cracks. That's when you should consider having it looked at. So when you're talking about Pedroia, 34 years old, um, clearly had to have something done and, and go down a different road. And why he want, didn't want to do this and why he didn't want to miss time, he, he is going to do it, He or he did it, and he is going to miss time. How, what, what is your prognosis in terms of him being able, knowing what type of player he is, what position he plays, his age and everything else, of coming back and not having this be a reoccurring thing in the future? Yeah, so with his position, you know, it's going to be a little different than someone who might be, you know, a pitcher, you know, it's constantly running, it plays hard. Um, certainly that's something to consider. And not everybody gets back to their full capacity. Uh, but, you know, with a well-done surgery uh, and an uneventful recovery, he could do very well, uh, assuming that, you know, the areas of cartilage uh, restoration works then it's not going to have as good a knee as new, uh, but certainly it could be a knee that he can play at his at his formal level. Uh, but you don't know until you see how his recovery goes. Now, when it comes to something like this, do you usually expect a guy, even a high-level athlete like Pedroia, that he might have another injury that kind of roots from the one that he's been dealing with you know, throughout the season? Are you talking about in the knee itself? Well, no, I mean, I mean, I know sometimes... The overcompensating? Yeah, like sometimes yeah. if a guy yeah. pulls his right hamstring, he, he babies it, and then the yeah, left because, one Yeah, because, out. I mean, doctor, really, he, they tried managing this. They dealt with this for a while. This isn't like something just came up. And I think right. that this was really the jumping off point for this was when Manny Machado slid into him. I think that was the yeah. end of April. So you're talking about the majority of the season that they were dealing with this. And as Nick said, there's probably some element of overcompensating at some point. So absolutely. I mean, I think anytime someone has an injury, they can overcompensate. They can end up with you know problems in other joints, you know, the other knees. The back is a common one, actually, when you're limping. Uh, so that's certainly something we see. And obviously, part of his recovery and his rehabilitation will be addressing everything, you know, not just that one knee, uh, but his entire body and any effects that the injury may have had. Uh, so, doctor, what do you when you heard about this? Were you surprised? Were you um, were you like, oh, well, you know, this is this is the next level? Um, and it uh, sounds like you also were familiar with Stephen Wright's injury. And like you said, I just I just caught up with Stephen, and 
It's funny because one of the things he said that was that stuck out for me was he said after I walked to the the table, I got on the operating table myself. So I'm kind of thinking, why am I even doing this? But immediately after, he's like, oh my goodness, this is really bad. This is painful. This is everything. Um, so so I, I guess it's two questions. It's number one: is that usually how it works? Where after you have this surgery done, people realize, oh man, there was a lot of work to do. And the second thing was just about: were you surprised about the Pedroia outcome? Um, so as far as the first question goes, so it's very common to have more pain after surgery, uh, especially it's like shoulder surgery, for instance. I tell a lot of my patients, you're not going to like me the first few weeks after surgery. By three months, you'll like me again, and by six months, you'll hopefully love me, um, because it is true that you usually get worse before you get better. Uh, on top of your, you know, the, the uh, nausea and the discomfort, you know, you just, you can't, be fully active right after surgery, and that alone can be frustrating. Um, so, so that is very common. And then, as far as the outcome of um, of him having the surgery, uh, did you mean? Am I surprised that he that Stephen Wright was more painful? No, 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 no. I'm surprised, surprised that you know Petroy is so. Uh, like no, that he ended no, up doing surgery. Yeah, well, knowing what we know now, so he's he was trying to manage this, and I think right. that in the back of his mind, he thought maybe I'll be able to manage this enough so that I can get into spring training next year and we figure mm-hmm. out a way and I can avoid the surgery. Because seven months is seven months. No one wants to sit yeah. seven months. So uh, there was probably no way around this, right? Right. So, you know, I think if someone at his caliber of athletics, if they're going to commit to this kind of time off, I think it really was the only option for him. Whereas if he felt if he didn't do it, that he just wouldn't be able to play. And, you know, as you know, he had a arthroscopy last year, uh, just to try to clean things up to see if that would help. Uh, that's called a chondroplasty, where you just go and try to remove any loose edges of cartilage to see if that can ease the pain. Um, and uh, some people it works, but it doesn't actually solve the underlying problem, which is that loss of cartilage. So I think he tried the other things that he could do short of this you know, more advanced or longer recovery type procedure, and he must have felt that he didn't have many other, or any other option, rather. Yeah, this was it. He, he doesn't, he's not missing seven months unless he has to um but dr kaz awesome awesome again well done (laughs) thank you thank you thank you so much and we didn't even get to any of your diving career once again and (laughs) there's no knee injuries only ankle injuries in your diving career only ankles oh only yes only ankles uh well thanks so much and and for taking the time and uh, and lending your expertise much appreciated my pleasure take care all right so we've talked about who you want to have a beer with state of the baseball, how you fix baseball. Excellent insight from Dr. Laurie Katz of Newton Wellesley Orthopedic Associates about Dustin Bedroya's knee. And now we're going to wrap things up because I think that people who are listening to this doing their exercise on the weekend and, and raking the leaves and doing whatever they're doing. They're ready. They're ready to wrap it up as well, but they should, we should, um, so we got rid of Tomasi too. We got rid of Tomasi in, uh, cause he has to get ready for his own show, which it might be, who knows? It might be going on as you're listening to this. <laughs> um, some things have happened. Things have happened with the Red Sox this week. The uh, Alex Cora was named. No kidding, manager. What? Alex Cora. Look at that. You. Uh, I was right. This is the fast track to be named manager. It is. Look at that. He is. It's the first. Let's see. When was Alex Cora named? Oh, geez, wasn't it? Well, it got leaked. Actually, it got leaked when we were recording it. The the first podcast that I was on with you. Yeah. And then it got made official right after the ALCS. We, we're a dream maker. I'm, I'm a dream. So, so my question to you then yeah. would be, is it going to be Johnny Gomes, Mike Lowell, 
or myself that gets the Red Sox manager job next? I know Beckett said Lowell could do it, but I'm just curious where you stand. Yeah, I, I would say that I think Johnny's boots on the ground. He's <laughs> he's fighting the fires right now, so he doesn't have time. Lowell doesn't want to do it either. I mean, Lowell said, if my kids are in college, so don't count on Mike Lowell being the bench coach for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, so you're you're in the mix. You well, have, there by default, I think based on the way you're saying it, when Cora's done, when you're not when you're not training and benching, um, then you might have the time to dig into this managing thing. But you know, so Cora's the manager, and then and everybody's we, fine with it, apparently. Oh, I mean, this is you put up the poll. It was like it wasn't even close. Yes, everybody. And, I, and I, I do wonder, like you know, it's Dombrowski's decision. I'm sure Dave Dombrowski thinks is. This is the guy, the right guy for the job. But clearly, like if you're ownership, and we talked about the state of the game, about mm. boring, about ratings and everything else, Cora was, of all the candidates, wasn't even close. Joe Girardi, if he became wow. available, he is, I mean, when he became available, he is a, a really, really good manager. Mm-hmm. And he yet, dealt with young guys. And, yet, and forget about the Yankees aspect, too. I still think they would go with Cora because he kind of fits exactly what they're looking for. Um, which is important, and I think, and the whole thing with Girardi, there was just there were some issues that they wanted to him ad- him to address, and he didn't address them. He make changes to how he managed the team. He yeah, didn't do it. I don't care about that. Well, I'm just saying that's why they wouldn't go. I don't think they would have gone with him. I'm just I'm backing up your point yeah. further, Rob. But I, I think I think it's it's also we talk about personality. Yes. Alex Gore has more of a personality, yes, right? Yes, I wouldn't want Brad. I didn't want Brad Austin. Oh, no, I mean, that, no. I th- honestly, though, my gut was like Dombrowski's going to take him. I really Austin, thought he was going to go alone. with him. What? You weren't alone. Yeah, and I was real. I was legitimately concerned about it. I didn't want Gardenhire. I wanted no piece of that. He's perfect for Detroit. He's a guy who can you know make something out of nothing. But this team you know has a lot of talent. I don't know how he would have done with that. So the coaching staff, Butterfield gone. Yep. Cubs. Chili Davis gone. Cubs. Yep. Um, and then Daniel Vanji stays. It looks like which which if you talk to players. This is no surprise. Mm-hmm. And Lou's on board. Manager Lou's on board for this, too. <laughs> it's that it, he, Dana Lavangi is viewed as a glue to that team. At least the pitchers really, really think so. Um, Carl Willis, no surprise. Gone mm-hmm. to the Cleveland Indians. Good for. And by the way, good for these guys. I think we don't know how good a coaches they are or not. I'll just be honest. We, I, I can say I've known Butter for a long time. And I can say I don't know who has put more effort into coaching. I've never seen anyone put more effort into coaching than Brian Butterfield. Mm-hmm. I, that and, well, and we hear about you know the thing to think about too is Rob. We hear about you know Cora and him being a guy that we all think is going to be a good fit. You know, former teammates. Obviously, Beckett says he's going to be a good fit. Uh, Gomes, Mike Lowell. Everybody does. Yes, everybody does. But then you have Chili Davis out of here right away in all the other but, guys. But that's just because he's not a guy. I'm, I'm not criticizing Cora, but I'm saying what if they? What if maybe Cora wanted to keep him? Maybe he would have been open to it. What if the front office was the reason why these guys didn't want to stick around? Maybe because these guys are breathing down their necks like we heard was happening with Farrell. Maybe because of that, they didn't want to deal with it. It's just not worth it. Sorry, Alex, we like you, but... It's just not worth it anymore to be around this. Maybe, nah, I don't think it, that was it. I think this is just sort of the natural progression of things when when you have these guys and you have a new guy come in and he's saying to the manager, which he should say to the manager, you can pick your own guys. And the, then it becomes a time thing because these jobs are open. You can't say, I'm waiting around, I'm waiting around. The core thing, does not. it does not help 
because he's doing the World Series stuff. Mm-hmm. And why he's, I'm sure, reaching out to some people, it's not like he can dig in the interviews and find out exactly, I want Brian Butterfield back. Absolutely. If a job comes up, an opportunity comes up, believe me, Butter wanted to stay here. Butter, like, is from Maine. He lives in Maine. This is his dream job, staying in the Boston, with the Boston Red Sox. But he also can't wait around, and I think that's what came into play here. And and now this is core. I mean, you have core's team, core's staff. Mm-hmm. You have Lavangi. I mean, I'm sure. So there's too much uncertainty for these guys at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And 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 like I said, good for them for finding jobs. Yes, yeah, Carl smart. Willis. I mean, pitching coach for a good Cleveland Indians team. Chili Davis. You know, Butter. Cubs, good. The Cubs good. need a, hit, a new hitting coach, that's for sure, because they were not the same team they were. Well, the Eric Kinski, the assistant hitting coach, went to work for the Angels. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's good for all these guys. Now it's on Cora. You know, the, first, what, the first name you think of when it comes to Cora is his brother, Joey Cora, but I don't know if that can happen because Joey Cora is a third base coach for Pittsburgh, and it, you can't make the lateral move. It would have to be a bench coach, and I can't see – that, yeah, that, that would probably be a little it's bit It's a much. weird dynamic because you mm-hmm. need some, at least in the perception of the players, you need some separation right. like because that's the guy who, hey, come here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confide in you. Yeah, he's going to coddle these soft players who can't handle the criticism and get upset over nothing. Well, it's also his, it's his brother. Yeah, well, I, I'm saying but the bench coach position. Yeah. Yes, I understand with the brother it would be different. Obviously, your loyalty is to your brother. You're saying that the be. bench coach shouldn't coddle the players. I'm saying that's what he does, and well, how, I mean, how, he's gonna be able, how they, are they going to trust didn't, him? Didn't Tori Lavella, wasn't he the perfect execution of a bench coach? Yes. He was the go-between, right? Right, but uh, right again, Rob, I'm fr- <laughs> I am trying to further your point that it wouldn't work because it, they, how can they trust a guy when the guy they might complain about is, yes. their, is their brother? We are agreeing. Yes, we are. Uh, yes. But again, you just want to yell at me for no freaking reason. I kind of do. Um... Do you so, want me to say something stupid again? Yeah, I, I don't, you can. I, I, how much are you benching? You bench go Well, up? we can talk about the fact that how I almost lost my mind going up into the parking lot by the studio today, if you want to talk about that. because I You I, forgot where you parked your car. I, well, I forgot where I parked my car. I went in the opposite entrance that I came in before because I went to get food before you got here. And then I, I my uh, remote or my fob on my key... It's like it's half dead, half mm. not. So I can't find where the hell I am. I was ready. I was ready to scream. I was ready to throw my freaking keys on the ground. I mean, mm. I, honestly, Rob, I don't know how you guys deal with that place. Yeah, no, it's, it's a tough. madhouse in there. I, I felt like I was. I almost want to quit because of the parking situation. Yeah. Well, okay. All right. All right. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. I was losing my mind over it. I have no patience for that stuff. You know where you park? You gonna be able to get back to your car? I'll find. I'll figure out. I know to, I'm on the fourth floor. You need us to get the WEI golf cart, like at the, at the where they do at the airports. No and, matter what, I would appreciate that. I mean, isn't that that's the worst? That's the absolute worst. Why? You come back from a trip and you forget where you parked at the airport and. I've never done that. Oh my god! Well, again, I, I always like... have a key fob that will bail me out. In this in this situation, I don't have that, so I, I, I don't know. I just rely. On, I've become too reliant on the fob, and I shouldn't. All right, there you go. There's your chance to, to make fun of me for being right, stupid. That's go. all I got for you. All right, so we got th- some things cooking. By the time we talk next week, maybe we'll have a World Series champion. Who knows? And uh, and then we can get really back down to the meat and potatoes thing. Uh, the GM meetings are November thirteenth, so that would put. Uh, so what's today? Today is Oh, I know. So I base everything around Halloween. So Halloween is Tuesday. And so Tuesday, now you're getting to first. Um, so, so it's around the 6th 
around the November sixth or so is, and then so a couple of weeks to the to the GM meetings. Okay, two weeks to the GM meetings from two weeks from Monday to the GM meetings. That's when things start kicking up, and that's when we're like, "Hey, look, they're showing interest." Last year was, "Oh, they're showing so much interest in Carlos Beltran," and then you talk to Carlos Beltran, and yeah, no, not really. Mm. This is when we're going to find out they're going to go get Giancarlo Stanton. This is there's going to be a lot of Giancarlo Stanton, <laughs> a lot of JD Martinez yep. talk. Hopefully um, not too much Eric Hosmer. Uh, there'll be a lot of Hosmer talk. Mm-hmm. So not, a lot of interest. No, no, no. Maybe no, we'll no. have resurface some of that Greg Holland talk again. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Or Wade Davis. Wade I'm, Davis. I like Wade Davis. I'm a big Wade Davis. Hey, Rob, you know what we didn't talk about last time? What? Because we didn't know who was in the World Series, I think, last time we recorded. But I know there are a few games in. Who was your pick at the start of this between between these two teams? Dodgers or the Astros? Dodgers. Dodgers? Okay. I think so. Just because they've been running through the whole National League? Yeah, but I think... This is good because I've been No, because here's here's here's, here's the very unscientific part of it, which is typically when a team is so dominant and so good, and then they fall off the face of the earth like the Dodgers did, and they were just terrible, and then they get good again, you're kind of reverting back to what you are. Mm. You know, sort of you pulled yourself out of this mire and muck. That's a fair point. And, and that's, to me, usually how it works. Kind of like with the Astros, though, when you have a team that's so good offensively and then you stop hitting, if you start hitting even a little bit, here you go, especially when you get back home. Yes, and then you went on the road against a team that hasn't lost at home all the playoffs, and they've dealt with adversity. Yeah, I, so I, it's believe me, it is good news for the Astros, Astros that I would all the pick, pick the Dodgers. So. Well, you're going to be wrong, unfortunately. But that's unfortunate. Maybe for by you. the time you hear this, I am already wrong. Yes. Uh, all right. Thanks for coming in again, and uh, enjoy the weekend. As they say in the morning show, good weekend to you. Um, I apologize. Keep your car looking its absolute best year round with 303 cleaners and protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nano spray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy to use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. We all remember that one professor, the one everyone on campus had to take no matter what subject they taught because how much fun their class was. What if we told you there was a streaming service that had all those professors? One Day University has every must-have professor from the best colleges all across the country. One Day University, the most fun talks from the most fun professors. Available live and on demand. No homework, just the most fun you'll have while learning. Get a special offer at onedayu.com slash odyssey.